The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. I told you I would be back, and here I am. Uh, I need to say this for the video and podcast. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. You guys don't know that. You guys are like the, the uh, in TV crowd that always just sits in there, and then they have to clap and applause, and then you got the television audience. But um, that's, I don't know where that came from. I'm Brian. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you again uh, this morning. So glad that you were able to make it out. Um, you know, our, our video and podcast thing, that's, that's kind of taken a life of its own. Uh, just out of curiosity, in a, in a given month, how, much, how many views do you think that we get here at the church? 10,000. 10,000. That was the number that was given. La- Were you in the last service? Because that was the same number <laughs> last service. The, the actual number uh, for the month of February was 16,000 podcasts and vodcast views. That's, that's an enormous number coming from Buckley, Michigan. Uh, I think if people showed up here, they would be like, wait, this is, this is what I've been watching from here? Like, yeah, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> but we're, we're really, really excited about that number. Part of the reason we're able to do that is because we have uh, some people on staff with, with John and Chris who are able to go out and, and preach the word uh, to all areas of not only the United States, but even, even around the world. Um, and it's a beautiful thing that, that we kind of spread that tabernacle DNA whenever they go somewhere. So he, he, John and Chris are both bringing parts of you guys to all over the world, which is cool. He's actually in Canada, uh, John is, again, this weekend. He's been there for the last couple of weekends. He's doing Promise Keepers events. I don't know if you guys remember Promise Keepers or not. I grew up a good little Baptist boy, so Promise Keepers was always something uh, that we sent people to, was, was something there. So um, they are still rocking in Canada. Uh, John is somewhere in Canada. I believe he's in the cold part of Canada. Uh, it, that narrows down the demographic for you. But uh, So we're continuing our series in, in seven words, the last seven phrases that Jesus said from the cross. 
Uh, it's not seven actual words. We know that. It's just the phrases. Um, it's just what we're doing. So seven words is, is the series. We've gone through two so far. We're going into the third one now, and we're going to focus on a word, a single word this morning. We're going to focus on the word behold. Now, I don't know if you guys use that in your regular vocabulary anymore, uh, unless you're saying lo and behold, and kind of sarcastically, or beauty is in the eye of the beholder. There you go. Uh, those are pretty much the only two instances that we, that we use that word, but uh, we tend to behold things often, whatever it looks like to you. I've got four kids, um, and they always want me to behold something, whether it's a picture that they drew or whether, it's, whether they're supposed to draw it or not, um, they would like me to behold it, uh, even if it's on a wall. Uh, they... <laughs> They're very proud of what they've done. Uh, we're trying to potty train our two-and-a-half-year-old. And she's the youngest one. She's the fourth one. Um, so we've kind of just been like, whatever, with her. You know how you get with that many kids. It's like when the fourth one comes around, it's like, they'll go when they need to go, I guess. And we'll just be changing their diaper till they're six. I don't... I, <laughs> That's just kind of where we've arrived as parents. Like the, the first three kids were, were very strict. Like two years old, they're going to start going in the potty because we don't want to change diapers anymore. And now it's like, it's just not worth it. Just go wherever you need to. But we were trying to, to potty train our, our fourth one. Uh, and so my wife got this idea on Pinterest. <laughs> don't get me started on Pinterest. Guys, come on. <laughs> Pinterest has to stop at some point. Uh, but she got this idea on Pinterest where if you, if you sit your child down uh, on the toilet and give them a dry erase marker that occupies their mind, they can draw on the back of the toilet and they'll sit there for hours upon hours just waiting to go potty and then you do and there you go. Uh, well, with Elena, that didn't work very well. She, she drew with the dry erase marker. She was doing fine. Um, she even didn't like the fact that it was a dry erase marker and decided to stick the, the marker in the toilet a couple times and then draw on everything. So um, that was fine. But then she, she wanted us to, to behold her beautiful creation on the toilet, not in the toilet. There was nothing in the toilet. It was not working. Uh, but she wanted us to behold her creation her beautiful picture that she had drawn. I didn't know what it was, but she was so excited about it. So the word behold, it comes from a root word in Greek called ido. And that word means uh, to see or to know. To see or to know. This isn't something that you just happen to, to glance at. This isn't something that you just pass by and notice. This is something that you actually know that you actually see. My dogs love to, to, to show me the holes that they've dug in the backyard. That's something that they love for me to behold. Um, but that's what that word means. It means to know it so deeply. You know, every single detail. I don't know if you've ever looked at like a, a, a actual painting of something and just stare at it for a while. It's usually on movies that I see it, so I think it happens. Um, people just look at paintings. And, and they behold the painting. They see the beauty in the painting. Jesus wants us to behold his most beautiful creation, which is people. He wants us to behold people, those around us. And we're looking at this uh, passage um, in John here in a moment, but uh, I'm going to tell you a couple things. Number one, I'm not very good at this part 
uh, of, of what we're going to, the application of what we're going to be doing. So um, if you think I'm a hypocrite for saying the things that I say, you're probably right. So don't look at me for uh, the, the, the example. Look at Christ as the example. I ask you to do that. The next thing we're going to say is that if you uh, have been unchurched or if, you, if this is your first time and, and you've never really enjoyed church, going to church, or maybe you had a bad experience, I'm going to think that what we go through today is going to uh, offer up a reason as to why maybe you've avoided the church or church people in the past. So we're going to get to those things. Um, but we're going to look at John 19, 25 through 27, and it says this, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, kids, it's not okay. <laughs> Don't call your mom woman, okay? That was a different time, just that does not give you an example. Uh, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So we have that word behold there a couple of times. And we've got a couple of different applications I want to share with you guys uh, this morning. The first one is this, behold, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our circumstances, something I find out uh, that's, that's quite interesting, is, is the last couple of weeks, the first two messages we gave, the first one was John giving a message on forgiving others. Jesus from the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Focused on other people, hanging on a cross. Second message was, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Focusing on a person who had just confessed to him as Lord. And then in this one, he's focusing on his mother, and John taking care of his mother. He's focusing on other people. So the first three examples of the first three things Jesus says from the cross is focused on people. And there's something to be taken from that. And it's regardless of our, our circumstance. Jesus felt the weight of the cross. I can guarantee you that. He was fully man and fully God. We don't know how to comprehend that, but we do know that he felt the full spectrum of emotion that a human has. So when the moment came for him to carry his cross through the streets, he was being spit on. He was already beaten. He was bloodied and being spit on. He was being despised and rejected by the people who one week ago was praising his name and singing Hosanna, welcoming him into the city. One week later, He's being despised and rejected and spit on. I'm sure he felt that betrayal, the depth of that. He felt the weight of the cross as he was hanging there, covered in his own blood and his own spit. Not his own spit, other people's spit. He felt the weight of people rejecting him because he was fully man. Sometimes we forget that he was fully man. And then he, he, he was flogged. He was hit 39 times with a whip, flesh ripping out of his back. This wasn't a nice little death for him. But yet it didn't stop him from focusing on other people. The first three things he did was focus on other 
people on the cross. The circumstances could have dictated him to focus on himself, to care only about himself. Certainly that would have been what most humans would have done. I would say almost every single human would have done that, just focused on, on yourself, trying to make yourself as comfortable as you possibly can, trying to, to, to get rid of the pain. But Jesus doesn't do that. He focuses on other people despite the circumstance. And you go back to the Last Supper. At the Last Supper, Jesus was focused on his disciples. If you had 24 hours left to live, what would you be focusing it on? Probably having some friends over, family over, close ones over, focusing on the good times you had, you know, laughing about this and that. But here Jesus is with his disciples, giving an example of beholding one another, of caring for one another. He washes their feet. The weight of, of what was coming next had to be weighing so thick on him. You know it does because when he was in the garden praying, he was asking God if there's any other way. If there's any other way. So you know the weight was there, but yet it didn't stop him from focusing on people despite his circumstance. So whatever you have going on in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, the circumstance does not dictate if you behold or not. You behold no matter what's going on in your life. If you've lost a job, you've lost a loved one, you're sick. None of that, I hate to say it, none of that really matters when it comes to what we can do for other people. Jesus gives us that clear example that it doesn't matter. All that matters is that we're loving people, regardless of the circumstance. So when things are bad, we are still serving. When things are good, we're still beholding people. We're still caring for people. When things are going really well, we're still caring for people. We tend to miss opportunities when we feel like we've done a really good job. Uh, an example of that, unfortunately, comes from my own life. Uh, this past Tuesday, my wife wasn't feeling good. Uh, Elena, she's the not potty trained one. Uh, she, she still wakes up all the time at night. Like, she'll just wake up like three in the morning and be like, hey, let's go have a party for three hours and not go back to sleep. Uh, thank the Lord for iPads and don't judge me. We just turn on Netflix and let her stay up as long as she wants. You know what? Whatever. Um, it's all right. Don't worry. She'll be fine. Uh, but she's just really tired. And, and on Tuesday, she's really tired. She was going to go in and get groceries and uh, I knew she was getting tired and um, wasn't feeling that well. And moms, you ever have those days where like nothing's getting done? You're just going to sit in your pajamas all day and uh, not do anything. The house will not change from what it was in the morning. And that's just the way it's going to go. I'm sure you've felt that way before. Um, so that was kind of the day that my wife was having. And so I, I texted her um, and I said, hey, do you want me to go get the groceries for you? I can do that. I hate grocery shopping. <laughs> I hate it. I, um, I, I don't like spending money on groceries. Like, I have a strict, this is a, the, the set amount that we're going to spend on groceries and not a penny over. So when I go grocery shopping, I stick to that, that budget. 
and I don't go over it at all. Uh, so what I do when I'm grocery, shop, grocery shopping is uh, I, I, I get out my phone, has a calculator on my phone, and as I put items in the cart, I tally up how much it costs. And I keep a running tally of how much money I'm spending on groceries. And the moment I get to that, that level, like that dollar amount, I'm done. It doesn't matter. No eggs? Sorry. <laughs> We're not having eggs. I guess I shouldn't have gotten milk. But that's the way I grocery shop. I, I hate doing it. I hate getting groceries. And so uh, it was a big thing for me to say, hey, you know what? I will get you groceries. I will get the groceries this week. Don't you worry about it. You stay home. In fact, you don't even have to cook. I know. <laughs> I will get Chinese on my way home. And it was a great decision uh, for a couple of hours. But, um, yeah, some of you are like, I oh, know, Chinese food. Uh, but we, so I, I, I pick up the groceries, I get the Chinese food, uh, things are going well. That whole night, everything was wonderful, we had some company over, uh, good times, and um, it was nice, Tuesday was nice. Uh, and I was the most awesome, most amazing husband in the world on Tuesday. It was like, none could compare to the greatness that I had ascended to uh, on the scale of husbandry. Um, <laughs> the next day, however, uh, on Wednesdays, I usually go to a coffee shop and, and get coffee and study. That's usually my routine on Monday, or Wednesday morning. So I was doing that, and uh, I knew my wife was bringing me uh, lunch on Wednesday. It was leftover Chinese food. So uh, I, was, I was thinking I should probably text her and say thank you for bringing me the leftover Chinese food for lunch. But instead, I thought, I was awesome on Tuesday. I don't have to say thank you today. I know. I, I'm not proud of what I did. I'm not. I'm, I'm not proud of that at all. Like, all the women were like, oh, yeah. And the guys are like, ooh, I feel you, man. Like, that's, that's rough. Uh, but <laughs> I, I finally did apologize to her on Saturday because I knew I was going to be sharing that story. Um, this weekend here, so I, I didn't want here to be the first time she heard that I didn't say thank you, um, and for that reason. So I made sure I apologized, and things are fine. Um, but, uh, but I missed an opportunity there to serve and honor my wife, because I felt I had done such a tremendous job the day before. So whenever you think you're doing a fantastic job, guess what? The next day, you start right back over, despite the consequences. That, that next day is a brand new day. If you've been serving in this church for 30 years, thank you for your service, but keep serving. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't think that once you get to a certain milestone that you can just be done, because that doesn't show up anywhere in Scripture. It says when, when we take a really, really, really long nap, that that's when our fight is over. The race is over. Not a moment before that. So no matter what the circumstance is, we still need to behold people. We still need to be seeing people because that job is never, ever, ever done. We're never going to be done with that job. So we behold regardless of the circumstances. The next point is we behold regardless of the person. 
regardless of the person. It doesn't matter who it is. We behold people. On the cross, Jesus is asking John to take care of his mother. He's looking out for his family. He's saying, behold my mother or your mother. Saying, take her in. Treat her as if she's your own mother. And it says from that hour, he did. This wasn't just like a, I'll come visit you on Mondays after work to make sure things are well. No, it was like family. So behold your family. Husbands, it's not just, I'm going to bring home the bacon for my family and make sure that they're taken care of uh, with, with enough money to do this, this, and this. It goes beyond that. Behold them. What does it look like to, to care for, to serve, to honor, to really look at, to really know that person? To know your wife, to know your husband, to know your kids. Not just bringing them up so that they can get out of the house by 18, which is tempting sometimes. But we need to behold our kids. Kids, you need to behold your siblings and your parents. It's a two way street. But we need to behold our family. We need to know our family. Next one we need to behold is our enemies. We need to behold our enemies. I go back to the Last Supper again. You you look at Jesus, what he was doing. That act of washing feet. We, We kind of just brush over that. Washing feet. They're feet. Feet are gross. <laughs> feet are really gross. So, and, and, and that's, today, feet are gross. Like, toes look weird. Like, they're just weird. Feet are weird and gross. I'm going to say that from stage. Um, but that's today. Feet are gross today. Back then, feet were even more gross. Like, way more gross. They had... Sandals is what they wore all the time in a desert around a lot of animals. I don't know if you've ever stepped in something that an animal has left and left it on your shoe. If you step in it on your sandal, you're even in worse trouble. If you know what I'm talking about. That was happening all the time, I can imagine, because of the amount of animals there were. They didn't have the cool pooper scoopers we have now that take care of that kind of thing. I said poop from stage. Uh, I'm also the youth pastor, so that's why. Um, But they had these dirty, dirty feet. And Jesus, who is the king, who created everything that you can possibly see and things that you can't see, humbled himself so much so that he's washing feet the night before he dies in the most humiliating way. The king that will forever reign, the song we just sang, the, 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 the king we just sang worship to, was washing his disciples' feet. What's even crazier is he didn't skip over Judas. He didn't skip Judas. He knew exactly what Judas was about to do. He was about to betray him. 
to be crucified, the most horrible, painful death imaginable. He didn't just wash, okay, Peter, John. No, I'm going to skip over Judas because I know what he's about to do to me. He washed Judas's stinky, smelly man feet. Who was an enemy of, of Jesus. Who was about to betray Jesus. So in your own lives, what does that look like to people around you? To people who maybe rub you the wrong way? It doesn't give you an excuse to not behold that, people, the, that person. To know those people. Jesus asked that we behold our enemies. And we love our enemies. Sound familiar? That's what Jesus calls us to do. So whatever that looks like, if it's a coworker that you don't get along with, maybe it's someone in the community, maybe it's someone in this room that you don't get along with. Jesus asks that you wash their feet figuratively. What does that look like? The next thing he does is... Uh, Beholds sinners. Now, we're all sinners. I'm going to preface that. that We're not like we're on this side and everybody else is on this side. We're, we don't sin anymore. No, all of us are sinners. It's just the, the difference is some of us have been uh, saved by grace. We, we've responded to Jesus Christ shed blood on the cross. And so we're not in that category anymore. No matter how many times we sin, Jesus is still there for us. But he looks after sinners. In fact, in, in the Bible, it goes to, to show um, there's a moment Jesus goes into the house of the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And then the Pharisees are sitting outside because they have a reputation at stake. And, and they don't want to go in there because of their reputation. But Jesus goes in there and then he comes back out to tell the, the, the Pharisees what. He says, it is not the healthy I come for, but for the sick. But for the sick. He was beholding sinners, regardless of his reputation, regardless of the person. He was beholding them. So maybe for you, maybe it, maybe it looks like for you that you go somewhere where your reputation is going to be at stake. Where you're going to be called into question, why are you going there? Why are you doing that? Christians can't go into bars, right? But where else are you going to meet them? They're not going to come here without a whole lot of coercing and, and telling them to relax. It's so much easier just to meet them exactly where they are. We need to behold people around us, people who are far from God. They need to be beheld even more so than anyone else. And again, this is where I go back to. If you are, are, are missing church or if you've been away from church for a long time, I think this is the reason why. Because you haven't been beheld by people who claim to go to church. This is not just a, a thing where we, where we come here on Sunday and then everything else is a pass. That's not what Jesus' model is. Jesus' model was to serve. Jesus' model was to be for people. Because when Jesus died on the cross for you, 
That meant that Jesus is for you. You catch that? If Jesus is going to die for you, he is for you. He's for you. So then we need to be for people. We had a, a, a retreat this last, uh, last week uh, with our student ministries. And uh, we went through this whole series um, called Brand New from Andy Stanley. It was a fantastic series, and it talked all about how we're supposed to love God, love people, and that we love God by loving those around us. And it was just turning this whole model on its head and, and, and talking about how much we're supposed to love people. And, and he brought up that point of how Jesus died for you, so he's for you. So we had in our small groups, we're in our small groups, and um, the question was, who is someone you need to be for without asking anything in return? Because that's what Jesus did for us. So who is someone you need to be for without asking anything in return? And one student in my small group, he looked at me and he said, his dad. And he started crying. Because his dad left him when he was two years old. And he didn't know how to deal with all those emotions. And so he's sitting there crying, not knowing what to do. How can I be for my dad without asking anything in return? But he knew that's what it needed to be. And that's what our relationship with Christ needs to look like. That's what our relationship with other people needs to look like. We need to be for people no matter what they've done to us. It's so much easier to, 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 to just serve in the community, to serve at community meals, to serve at the food pantry, to, to go help the homeless do something. Like You can kind of separate yourself from that. But it's much more difficult to actually behold someone, to know someone, to get involved in their lives. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. That's, that's the depth, that's the level that Jesus wants us to go to. And if we do that, we can behold Jesus. You don't behold Jesus when you come to church on Sunday. I bet that got your attention. That's not when we behold Jesus. It's not when we enter into our small groups, our tab groups, or, or it's not when we're um, reading our, our Bible even. Those are all really great things to do. But you want to know when we behold Jesus? Matthew 25, starting in verse 31, says this. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. And then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying, they're very confused at this moment. Like, I don't know when I ever saw Jesus any of those things. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see or behold you, a stranger, and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see... Or behold, you sick or in prison and visit you. And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. 
You want to behold Jesus? Look around you. Look around you. Look at in your community. Imagine what your life would look like. Imagine what this, whatever community you're in, imagine what that community would look like if we started beholding people. Parents, imagine the relationship with your kids if you started beholding your kids, not just raising them up, but really beholding your kids. Kids, imagine the relationship with your parents and your siblings if you beheld them and you're for them. Or a coworker, or a boss, maybe you don't get along with. Imagine what your life would look like if you hum- humbled yourself for that person and beheld that person. Friends at school, imagine what it would look like to not friends at school if you beheld those students. Husbands, wives, what if it doesn't matter what their response is to you humbling yourself and serving your spouse? What if we take that out of the equation and just say, whatever happens, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be humble and, and give to you. What would happen in our communities if we one another, one another? We gave to one another. We loved one another. We served one another. We prayed for one another. We cried with one another. What would happen if we one another, one another? Because the mark of the believer is our love and care for one another. That's the mark of the believer. Not your church attendance, not how much you gave, not how much of the Bible you've read, not how many tab groups you've joined. All that matters is your love for one another. It speaks volumes about your love for Christ, the way you love one another and behold one another. And we do that because of Christ's shed blood on the cross. When almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ took the sin of man on his shoulders beheld every single one of us and died on a cross for you and me and served us in the most humbling way possible. We're going to get ready to take communion here in a few moments. And as we remember the body, as we remember the blood, remember that Jesus Christ beheld you on a cross So therefore, we should behold one another despite the circumstances, regardless of the person. So as we get ready to take communion, we're going to have that time to reflect for a few moments. There's going to be questions on the screen like we've done the last couple of weeks. And we're going to reflect on what we need to do. And then we're going to take communion. The band's going to come up. Once the video is done, when you're ready... You come and take communion once that video is over. Let's watch.